Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. But guys, uh, before we do, like, New Year's is coming, and... Christmas Eve, well, I know Christmas Eve comes first, but New Year's is coming, and we've talked about New Year's, we've talked about Christmas Eve, but what if, we haven't talked about, like, what we do in between the two. So what do you guys normally do between Christmas Eve and New Year's? My goal every year is to do as little as possible between Christmas and New Year's. This year, specifically, one of the things we are doing is I purchased tickets to the Morton Arboretum. The They have some kind of illumination. Mm-hmm. Something. So it's supposed to be some spectacular light show where you walk the path for a mile, and it's pretty great. I've never been. I don't know, but I saw tickets for it, so everyone in my family got tickets for that. So between Christmas and New Year's, we're going to do that. And here's hoping my family does not listen to the podcast because— Is that going to spoil a present or a surprise gonna spoil a present. Everybody yeah. be quiet. Don't tell oh, Eric's family. Uh, I also try to do nothing between Christmas and New Year's. That was especially true when I used to be in creative arts and it was crazy mm-hmm. leading up to, to Christmas. True. Um, but the problem is my daughter has a birthday two days after Christmas. And so that means that the week of, oh, we can do nothing, uh, often involves a lot of family gatherings and parties and things like that. And, and this year, Michelle actually said to me, well, you know, what if we do two parties for her? Because, you know, COVID was last year and she wanted to do a thing with friends and whatever. And so I, I, I'm not sure what I think about this, but it's definitely filling up the schedule for a week when I wanted to do zero. I can, I can tell you how to feel about it. Retroactive makeup birthday parties are a non-thing. So the, <laughs> so the, the, the guilt part of me is this is my daughter who was born after Christmas. So she always gets kind of like things overshadowed and which, you know, you kind of feel that. And then she missed a COVID thing. You're like, uh, but I don't think it'll make up anything. I don't think it'll, it won't, it won't help. So your wife is really thinking of throwing two parties? I think so. Or at least two, two different groups of friends or I don't know. I don't know. I think you started out your sentence incorrect when you said the problem. I think what you should have said was the joy. The joy. The joy is I get to throw parties for my daughter. I do love her and I want her, I want her to have a lot of fun, but I don't know. Little kid parties. Come on. (laughs) No, they're terrible. (laughs) They're terrible. All right, I'm going to try to take this away from you before you dig yourself deeper into a hole. His wait, hold on, Clayton. <laughs> Clayton let's be honest, Clayton. Does your wife listen to this podcast? No, my wife nope. also does not listen. My to parents, this podcast, my parents so. do though, so it'll get around to her. Uh, <laughs> your parents you're are dead. So, you're so, dead, man. Mom, Dad, exhibit, exhibit. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I will be getting ready, like you said. Creative arts is a hectic time of the year. I will be getting ready for Jim Nicodemus' rockin' New Year's Day. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Uh, no joke. We're really looking forward to this. Uh, so, Eric, do you want to kind of like fill people in on what this service is going to consist? Yeah, seriously. Of? All I know is I've seen that awesome graphic, yeah. and I'm like, this is going to be amazing. It's amazing. I don't want to kind of fill the people in. I want to very specifically fill the people in because we're about to have an awesome ten day run at Christ Community Church. Christmas Eve services, a bunch of them at all five of our church campuses. And then the next day, Christmas Day, every hour on the hour, we are airing a special Christmas Day service. It's abbreviated. It's just about 25 to 30 minutes, some Christmas music, some special announcements, a brief Christmas Day teaching. 
So that's going to be fantastic. And then on January 1st, it's Jim Nicodemus rockin' New Year's Day. I cannot wait for this. This is going to be awesome at all five of our church campuses, an awesome worship service to kick off the new year including we're all going to celebrate communion together. There's going to be food on the campuses, a bunch of activities. So you need to go to the website if you worship in person at Christ Community Church at one of our five locations. Go to the website, check out what is happening at your particular campus. The activities and the food are all different. But what we're trying to do here is ring in the new year together as a church, we're mm-hmm. all going to get together at a church campus. We're going to worship. We're going to celebrate communion. We're going to eat good food. We're going to have a bunch of good fun. Jim Nicodemus rocking New Year's Day. We are starting 2023 in style. And this is an attendance competition between all five of our church campuses. So what that means is we're taking the average attendance for the entirety of 2022, and we're seeing which of our church campuses can increase their attendance on that one day, January 1st, the most, whoever increases their attendance the most based on their 2022 average, what they win is we're calling it the ultimate upgrade experience for our next faith at work series, which starts in the middle of January. And what that's going to mean is we're going to be sending food trucks, activities, all kinds of great stuff to that church campus for the entire five weeks of that teaching series. Ooh. So Christ community people, listen up. You want to be there on January 1, representing your campus. Be at your campus, be inviting people, and also be looking around and ask yourself, wait a minute, who are my friends or people that I haven't seen around at church for a while? And tell them to get to church on January 1st for Jim Nicodemus Rockin' New Year's Day. Cannot wait for this. This morning, I'm going to be super excited. Super exciting. All right, Clayton, what are we talking about? Yes, that too. I just caught Nikki by surprise with that. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, today? we are going to be wrapping up in the book of Mark here. Uh, we're going to be in oh, okay. wrapping up. Ooh, wrapping yeah, up. See I what get I did it, there? I get it. There you go. I'm I'm using puns with my sound effects panel. Wow, that's, that's next level sound that effecting. Is. That is. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 14. Uh, we're going to start in verse 12. Uh, just a little bit of context here. This is the last week of Jesus's life. And so this is actually the evening before he dies. So it's it's uh, uh, Thursday. And this is the story of the Last Supper. So um, this is one that, that may be familiar to you if you've uh, ever been at uh, like a Good Friday service or been around uh, a church during uh, Easter time. Uh, and so we're going to look in more detail at that. I don't think I need to give a lot more context because we've been reading the book of Mark uh, together. So I'll just have Eric start in verse 12 and read through verse 26. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus told them, so they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. 
one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. All right. The next step and comma is O, which stands for observations. This is where we look and see the things that are in the passage. Even before we figure out what they mean, we look for things that are repeated, uh, things that are striking, things that tells us about God. So what do we see here in this passage? Ooh, Ooh. That was quick. Wow. That means it's time for your comma tip of the week. As our senior pastor is apt to say, sometimes ruts are a good thing. Good, consistent habits create clear pathways to God's blessings in our lives. Whether it's the Bible-savvy schedule or some other plan, our hope is that everyone out there has a consistent plan for daily Bible reading. But here comes the Christmas break. So with all of the decking the halls and the fa la laing, don't take a break from your Bible reading and prayer life during the Christmas season. Who knows that time spent with God may be exactly what empowers you to be salt and light and be well-equipped for what this season brings your way. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right. So what do you see in this passage? Um, I, what, I lo- what I looked at at verse 14 uh, when the disciples go into the city, uh, they find this person that Je- that uh, that Jesus sends them to go find, and they say the teacher asks. I and I love that. I love that they just call like they didn't say Jesus. They did, like they didn't like specifically like describe him. They just said the teacher asks this question, and I think it's so cool that like this guy obviously knew who they were talking about. Um, and maybe that's because, you know, Jesus had been around. He'd been traveling and talking with people for a while. But um, I just think it's so cool that they called him the teacher and they know exactly who they were talking to. My imagination asks two questions, which are, I guess, kind of observations. One is they receive the instructions from Jesus and so they go to the town. What do you think their conversation is like while they're going to this town? Like, do you think, eh. are they saying to each other, do you think this is going to play out exactly the way he said? Are they amazed yeah. when they show up and it is exactly as he said it would be? I just, my imagination wonders what their conversations are like. Or like, at what point does it st- stop becoming remarkable? You know, when, when Jesus is like, like there's, there's one where they go fishing and they find like a coin in a fish's mouth and like all these, all these things. It's like, well, yep, this is kind of what he does. He tells us these things and then they work out, you know, like at what point do they, they tip over into, oh, this is, this is normal. I, I do think though, I, I thought about that. Like what was their reaction and response? To me, I would have been like, whoa, cool. Like it happened again. Yeah. Uh, my observation is the repeated uh, mention of Passover and then uh, at least one place it's called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. And so sometimes we skip over those details, but I think it's important to think, all right, what's, what's going on at that time? It, it would be 
uh, it's a it's a mention of a holiday. So if we were telling a story and we said it happens at Christmas time or it happened at Thanksgiving or something like that, that would set a backdrop for you. And so uh, reminding yourself what Passover is about, um, it is in the um, notes in the NIV Study Bible. But uh, in case you you don't have that in front of you, Passover was a celebration of the time when God set Israel free from slavery in Egypt. Um, this is uh, the Exodus story, and the way it happened is. Uh, God said, all right, um, I've, I've been judging Egypt. They're at, at the breaking point. Pharaoh's going to let you go. But the final thing that's going to happen is I'm going to send a plague of death um, to, to judge Egypt. And if you want to be spared, what you need to do is you need to go in a home. You're going to have a meal where you eat a lamb and you're going to take the blood of that lamb, uh, put it over your doorframe and those houses that are marked by that blood, I'm going to pass over them. That's where the phrase comes from. And they're going to be spared. And uh, when that happened, um, the the people of Israel after that went free. And it was sort of through that process uh, that they became a nation. And so at uh, a time like this in Israel's history, where they are looking around them saying, we got the Romans ruling over us. Things aren't the way we want them to be. It was a time where people tended to focus on, all right, kind of what does God want from us? Could God uh, come and save us and rescue us? There was a lot of anticipation because back in the day, he rescued them from Egypt. And so they're asking the question, how is he going to rescue us in the future? My second observation, as I already referred to, is coming from my imagination or my questions. It says, they sang a hymn. Mm -hmm. And I wondered to myself, well, I wonder what song they sang. I know there's no answer, and I know it doesn't really matter, but that's what my brain does when I read the Bible. Yeah? Yeah, I highlighted that too. Uh, the other response that I picked up on was um, the response, so it was like the first one was like, whoa, cool, that happened again, right? And then he says, he's reclining at the table, and he talks about how one of them is going to betray him, and it says that they're saddened, and they immediately go into the, well, surely it's not me. And it's kind of like opposite of like, instead of a whoa, cool moment, it's like a whoa, that's not okay. Like it's a, it's just it's just like a sorrowful type of response. Yeah, and the the way they respond, they're like, "Was it me? Yeah, it's surely not me. It's not surely not me. I wouldn't do that." And and I wonder if it's like, well, is that just not being self aware, mm. or is it? Is it no? They they generally were committed, and so they were confused by what Jesus said. And you know, there's a, there's just a lot in that moment that feels like, how would you how would you take that? You know. Maybe it's not a lack of self-awareness. Maybe it's an ab abundant amount of self-awareness. Like they know that it possibly could be mm. them. So if Jesus just sent them into that town to go make preparations and it plays out exactly the way he says, and then he looks at them and says, one of you is going to betray me. Ooh. Well, they know that when he says something's going to happen, right? it's going to happen You're exactly right. the way he says. Right. right. So can you imagine sitting at the table and you know everything about yourself. Like, you know, you kind of believe in this guy, but you also know your own sinful capabilities. You might actually be sitting there wondering like, oh, good Lord, is it me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And like, imagine what kind of like distress and sorrowful feeling that produces in them, knowing that everything he says comes to be. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you're sitting at the last supper with Jesus reclining at the table, you're probably not going to say, oh, good Lord. Or because he might think you're talking to him. So I just heard myself say that and then put it in that scene. Um, all right. So the, the, the next thing that I observe is um, when it comes to 
the actual moment where he gives out the bread and the cup. Um, it's This is an interesting one because if you've been around church for a while, you probably have associations with these words that make them very familiar and they mean a whole lot that wouldn't have been obvious right away um, for the people who are sitting there. Because uh, you've got to remember that a Passover meal is – uh, a traditional meal. There were things that happened and there were certain symbolic things, certain uh, things that had meaning, um, but these were not some of those things. So Jesus was adding meaning. So like there's, I don't, I won't get into the details, but there are things that are representative of stuff that happened in the Exodus. So you're used to telling the story of the Exodus and saying, this piece of bread means this. And you know, this herb means that. And Jesus is picking up things that don't have a meaning and saying, I'm going to give you some new meaning as the host of this. This represents me. And that's a weird moment, right? Like if you are inserting yourself into the story of Israel's history saying the most momentous thing that happened that we commemorate for thousands of years in this meal, I am part of the symbolism. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a head spinner for, for these devout Jews. Um, and so you're looking at this and saying, okay, what does he mean? This, this is my body. This is my blood. Uh, I will tell you this. One thing I'm sure they were not thinking is this is literally his body and blood. So I know that that, that comes out. Uh, there's there's some uh, denominations that will teach that sort of thing. Um, but when you when the guy is stand, sitting there um, holding a piece of bread, uh, you are not thinking, wait, is that now an extension of his body, literally his physical body? Um, but they were thinking, in what way does this this mean this represents him, his actual flesh and blood, his his very self. What is this? What is this saying to me? Um, I like we've got years and years of reflection on that that make it mean something. They're getting this the first time. That's got to be a confusing moment. Another thing that stuck out to me in verse twenty twenty verse twenty. It is one of the twelve. He replied. That's an interesting way to say that. Not what it's one of you. It's it's one of the twelve. Yeah, I th- I think the um, Jesus highlights the number twelve there with them. Um, it comes up a couple of times in the passage. He arrived with the twelve and that sort of thing. They're called the twelve to highlight the fact that they are kind of the the new people of God. You know, just as in the Passover, there are twelve tribes. Um, there are now twelve apostles. And he's kind of setting up kind of a new people, and so to, to highlight that he's it he's almost umpy, umping the ante, saying. Like, it's not just some random person who's going to, you know, betray me. It's like, you know, those of you I've set up to be leaders and rulers in kind of the new kingdom that I'm, I'm starting. Another thing I notice in this text is, and I'm sure it's just an oversight by Mark, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, what? <laughs> but nowhere in here does it say that they all reclined on the same side of the table. Oh, but, yeah, but, 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 but we Vinci. know that, we know that's exactly how it happened. <laughs> so I'm just wondering why Mark did not consult with Da Vinci or any other painters for how this played out. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> definitely an oversight. That's ridiculous. For sure. Um, one one Wait last. A minute, did you just under your breath say that's, that's ridiculous? That's ridiculous. Okay. I, I'm just vocalizing what I what I often think around here. <laughs> Like that's finally that's saying ridiculous. it. You just crossed, drew a line with that one. Had to say it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Maybe <laughs> if the table was pushed against a wall, then they would all have to be at the same side of the table. That, that but, would be. But then you yeah. ask, who took the picture? That yeah, seriously. Okay, do we really want to get into the history of tables? Because we could go there. So 
the there there they were they were on the floor okay yeah. they, they weren't it wasn't an elevated table uh in spite of the in spite of the fact that in the passion of the christ jesus the carpenter makes an elevated table not a thing um but uh so in, in i love the fact that he just got lured into I, giving us the history of how they i've ate. got a, i've got an ancient table rant locked and loaded um, so this is this is actually they had a, a type of seating that's called a triclinium. So it's a three sided table that would have had space in the middle of it. So if you think of it kind of like a U, like you see some boardroom tables where it's kind of set up like that, it would have been something like that on the floor. So they all would have been um, facing each other, and people could come in and serve in the middle section of it. So that's more likely what it was, not a one kind of one long table sort of thing. Of course you would have a table rant locked and loaded. <laughs> Clayton, we we're talking about. I so, can't take this anymore. I will now I'm, unleash I'm, my I'm, triclinium I'm, lecture. I'm, I'm holding back. Holding back. Um, the one last observation I want to make is um, I think it's interesting that he says this is the blood, my blood of the covenant. I think that's actually giving some meaning here because um, what Jesus is doing, um, he's connecting to throughout the history of Israel, there are these agreements between God and his people saying, um, I will be your God, you will be my people, here's how this is gonna be, here's what I'm gonna do for you, here's how you're gonna show your loyalty and faith in me. Um, and Jesus is saying, this is one of those moments. It's like when Moses went up on the mountain. It's like when God made a promise to David. This is like when God met with Abraham and said, you're gonna be a people. Like, this is that big of a deal. Um, and when we um, you know, drink of that cup, the idea is we are joining in this agreement between God and his people saying, we're a part of this promise, part of this uh, commitment to each other uh, that's that's going on here. All right, let's, let's talk about uh, message. What did you, if you're going to take a detail here and sum it up in kind of one thought, what would your message be? Uh, I'm going based off of just this repeating word and idea of like the truly I tell you type of thing and then him saying something and it coming to be um, is that the, the word of God is revealing and true. My message is the way to really understand how amazing Jesus is, is to obey him. And here's what I mean by this. He tells them, go to the city and do these things. Look for this person, do it exactly... And when you do it, when you obey, that's when you find out how amazing Jesus is. So my message is the way to find out how amazing Jesus is, is to obey him. That's good. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, my, my message is related to uh, communion itself. I, I think just uh, the, the message is this. Uh, in communion, we remember and we renew the covenant that we have with God through Jesus. Um, and that's that's simply what communion means. And so what happens when we come together, uh, we keep doing this meal again and again and again. Um, we do it on the you know first weekend of the month uh, here at our church, but lots of churches do it either every week or a different rhythm than that. We're gonna celebrate communion on Jim Nicodemus Rock and New Year's Day. That's right. That's actually, that was going to be my application. Um, it is? It is. That's to, my application. To be at Jim Nicodemus That's Rock my application. So we're going to, we're gonna, <laughs> there we go. It's, it's going to be a new thing every time we say it. Oh my gosh. Keep going, Clayton. All right. So um, when, we, when we celebrate communion, uh, what, we, what we are doing um, is we are remembering what it means. So it kind of looks back to the past and what Jesus did. Uh, but it's also something that is renewing in the present. So that that like taking of the cup, there's something more than just, it's not just a symbol in the sense of, oh, it's like a sign that reminds me of a thing I'm supposed to know. There's an action that says, I'm I'm a part of this. I'm in this. There's other parts of the Bible that says we participate in in who Christ is when we do this. And so that that idea of saying, it's almost, it's almost like if you're, um, we, we do this at holidays in my family, you'll do a toast, right? Mm. 
there's there's something about raising your glass together and saying, you know, we, we all cheer for this. We're all in on this. Um, there's something about that moment uh, when you're gathered in a church and you are taking communion saying, this is, this is God's people. We have a promise uh, from him and a promise to him. And there's something really special about kind of renewing your vows in a sense uh, in, in that moment. All right, for meditation, here's what I'd like you to do. Um, I would like you to, th- to picture this scene here. We're not gonna reread the whole thing, but what I'd like you to do is think about what it would be like to be in the moment. Uh, sometimes with stories in the Bible, uh, the way to meditate on it is to simply put yourself in the place of a character and say, what would it feel like? What would it look like? Uh, what would, what, how would I respond? And we've already kind of been doing some of that, you know, with if you were there and you got the instructions or whatever. Um, but I want you to do that for this because there's lots of emotions, lots of moments here that if you were present, you say, well, how would I feel about that? And see what God has to say in that. So I'll give you 45 seconds to do that. All right, let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. What are we going to do in response to this? So my application is based off of my message. Uh, the word of God is revealing and true. And it, it has to do with like how we feel about things, kind of like what we're meditating. So it's this idea that God's word has the ability to cause us to feel awe and wonder and joy. Um, like the, whoa, that's so cool. Um, but then there's other times where it, it can create in us like a, whoa, that's not okay. And I think in those moments, we have to discern what God is trying to say to us in his word, and then what we're supposed to do about it with regards to us and our relationship with him. So is it is his word creating you an awe, sense of wonder because you're obeying him and you're, you're enjoying this? Or are you well, I don't, I don't, there's something wrong. There's something not setting well with me right now. That's something to, to pay attention to. My message was and is the way to find out how amazing Jesus is, is to obey him. So my application, instead of just saying, oh, I should just generally be obedient, I'm going to very specifically say the very next time that I receive a prompting from the Holy Spirit or I see something in the word where I feel like God is telling me to do something, the next time I'm just going to do it. And then I'm going to watch how it plays out. Yeah. Uh, So my application is to go to Jim Nicodemus' rockin' New Year's Day. There we go. <laughs> because we are celebrating communion together as a church. And and I do, you know, that's that's gonna be a fun moment because ringing in the new year with, with uh, communion is really special. I've done that in other settings. And it's like, that's the way to begin. Um, but there's also something about that month by month when we do that. Uh, making a priority to to be present for that is really special as a church. Um, but I also think the preparation that goes into that. There, there's something about not going on autopilot when that moment comes in the service and actually saying, um, this isn't just going to be some sort of random walk to a table and take a take a little cracker or something. Um, this is a moment where you say, 
This is a meal with my church family. This is a meal with Jesus. Uh, this is a moment where I uh, remember and renew the promises that um, that Jesus has made and I've made. Um, and you you anticipate something there, and it's not a perfunctory thing. So I think the application is uh, to go into communion um, prepared and anticipating um, God's presence there. Nikki, can you remind me what we're calling the event on January 1st? Yeah, it's Jim Nicodemus Rockin' New Year's Day. Yay! You just had to hey, do it one more time. You know, you know what else is going on besides awesome worship, celebrating communion together, food and activities? We have massive giveaways. I'm just going to let people know about two right now. Oh, you there's, are. There's other stuff going on that we're not going to reveal right now. But if you are in person, regardless of what campus you're at, you could potentially win this. One is the mega swag bag. It is every single Christ community hoodie, sweatshirt, t-shirt, pen, thermos, mug. If it has the official Christ community logo on it, it has all been put together in one massive giveaway. That's awesome. It's hundreds and hundreds of dollars of church swag. The other one is called the Brainiac, and it is every single book that has been recommended from the church stage in 2022. We're giving these away at Jim Nicodemus Rock and New Year's Day. You I went, want that I, one? I, I went back and put together a list. There's good books in there. Wow. There's good stuff. Way to go. All right. Well, there you have it, friends. You need to join us for Jim Nicodemus Rock and New Year's Day, but you also need to keep, keep on track with this podcast. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along, go to BibleSavvy.com to download it. Merry you can Christmas. also subscribe and Happy leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast.biblesavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.